The following message was preached at Gospel City Church, a church that seeks to cast a gospel net for the people of Kuala Lumpur. Good morning, Gospel City Church. Um, my name is Manhon. I'm one of the elders in uh, Gospel City Church. Uh, let me start this morning by posing two hypothetical situations for you to consider. Um, the first one, you know, your doctor does a checkup on you and knows for a fact that you have a curable disease. He informs you that you have a disease, but he chose not to tell you that it's curable. This truth about your illness is hidden from you. It keeps you uncomfortable, ruins your day, and makes you unhappy. Would you be all right with that? So think about that. The second scenario, your five-year-old child or siblings, in some case, like uh, we may not have children yet, your five-year-old child or siblings or, cut or nephew begs for junk food and sweets every chance he gets because that's what he likes to do. You can't bear to see the way it makes him cry when you say no or explain that eating too much junk food that though delicious will be harmful to his body and lifestyle when he's older. So you give in. You give him exactly what he wants and let the child suffer being malnourished with junk food and obese. Is that what you would do? Now, both scenarios expose the conflict between truth and love. Our passage this morning is taken from 2 John. Uh, we just completed our, our new uh, mini-series uh, titled Lit, Living a Lit Life, based on 1 John. So moving into 2 John, our passage this morning is taken from uh, a very one of the shortest uh, book in the Bible. The 13 verses in 2 John teach us what is truth and what is love and how to live our lives by walking in truth and love. Let us pray before we read this passage. Father, in your word, you declare that all scripture is God's breath and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Set our hearts to expect to be taught in the passage we are about to read. Amen. So if you turn the Bible, turn your Bible to 2 John, 13 verses, uh, I will read and uh, let's follow along together. 2 John. The elder of the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also to all who know the truth, because the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had been from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have, come, have gone out into the world, 
those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what you have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. So we have all experienced when someone speaks the truth in a way that is more damaging than beneficial. It is possibly because of this experience that makes us hesitate to do it ourselves. However, Christianity is not a solo activity. Following Christ means we are part of a body. We are brothers and sisters with our fellow believers. We are in this together. For this reason, we should be actively encouraging one another and pointing one another towards walking in truth and love. I've titled our sermon this morning, Walking in Truth and Love. Our goal is to shine light on what John means by truth and love. Two phrases he repeated five times and four times respectively in this very short letter. Is truth in conflict with love? How can we walk in truth and love as Christians without having to treat them as conflict to each other? To help us along, I have a structured uh, this message in three parts. Part one is the call to walk in truth and love within the body of Christ. Part two, we will discuss the warning to God who we let in to the body. And part three, the truth of the cross that loves us. Going into part one, John starts off in verse one by stating that he loves this family, not only him, but everyone who knows the truth. This builds on the statement he made in 1 John, which we heard several weeks ago, that anyone who claims to love God cannot be telling the truth unless they also love their brother. That was in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. The love that they have for one another is not what saves them, but it's a sure sign that they are truly saved. We see John quite focused on the idea of truth, as he was in all his writings. He used the word truth many times in his letters. This shows that what binds Christians together is not social or cultural compatibility, nor is it political alignment or class uh, similarity. What binds us together is a common truth. That is why truth is important to Christians. Now, in verse 2, if you read, it says, this truth will be with us forever. The truth does not change. The truth will be true forever, and we will have the truth forever in eternity. Many people today think that the truth changes from age to age, 
from generation to generation, but the Bible knows that the truth will be with us forever. John also declared, I rejoice greatly in verse 4. Now, this is the voice uh, of the heart of a pastor to know that his people are walking in truth. While truth is not the only concern of a pastor, it is a great concern and it is a great comfort for a pastor to see an elder of the early church to see that those he loves and cares for walking in truth. John rejoiced because God's people are walking in truth. They also abide in God. The same idea is expressed in 1 John chapter 2 when we learn about abiding in Christ. The verse, verse 24 reads, Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. Truth is not only important for its own sake, but also our walking in truth shows that we are walking with the Lord. Apart from rejoicing in the faithfulness of the lady and her children who are walking in truth, John also commanded them to love one another. In verse 5, I plead with you, lady, he says. John was not too proud to beg on such an important matter. Not when it comes to something as important in the Christian life as a commandment that we must love one another. John knew this was nothing new to his readers. He repeated the theme all through 1 John and in his Gospels. Yet because it was so essential, it had to be repeated and used as a reminder that we love one another. The degree of fitness of our Christian life can be measured by our love for one another. We learned this from our series in 1 John in the past several weeks. If you ask a Christian what it means to love one another, they would likely give you a variety of answers, many of which would probably be correct. How do we love one another? We take care of each other's needs. We pray for one another. We place others' needs ahead of our own. We show hospitality. We correct bad behavior. These are all correct scriptural ways that believers can show love to one another. But John digs a little bit deeper and gives a different practical way to love one another. In verse 6, John defines what he means by love. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. If we love God, we will obey his commandments. We do this because we see they are best for us. They are guides and gifts to us from God. Walk according to his commandments. Real love will walk this way. How can we show love to each other? By obeying God's commandments. What is the best way that we can show love to a fellow human being? You can do it by remaining faithful to what God has commanded. We love because he first loved us. And in his great love, God gave us standards for behavior. There are ways that Christians ought to act that are conducive to love within the body of Christ. Now we have learned in first part that those who walk 
in the truth are people who love others within the body of Christ. Now in part two, we learn what we should be cautious about whom we love. So we should be cautious about whom we love. Verse seven specifically, for many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Deceivers and false teachers have infiltrated the church. People who taught falsehoods about the person of Jesus, teaching that he was not truly a man, but only appeared to be one. So in the early church, this heresy attracted the strongest possible response from John. He warned the true believers to guard themselves against these false teachers. John's encouragement then was not simply to love, but to love others within the limits that the truth allows. John seems to understand that even though these deceivers participated in the church, its sacraments, its worship, and possibly even its evangelism and teaching and government of the church, they are not actually believers. So this was mentioned in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 and 19. We covered that in the last series. His warning is strong in emphasis. John warns that aiding in the ministry of false teachers may show by showing them hospitality may result in loss of spiritual rewards. In verse 8, I will cover specifically about verse 8 a little bit uh, later. Showing hospitality in the context of this passage is explained as welcoming them into the house church and giving them space to perform their teachings. While it is John's intention here to be alarming, he did not go so far as to say that those who hosted false teachers are themselves guilty of the sins of the heretics. They are not the, the teaching heresy, but they are participating in the teaching. So the teaching here is that if someone aids in the ministry of a false teacher by showing them hospitality, such unintentional enabling makes one a partner in the transgression. The sin committed by giving them space and enabling them to promote false teachings is a failure to discern the truth and a failure to love others within the body of Christ for allowing false teaching to be perpetuated. Jesus calls Pharisees vipers, yet at the same time, he sits down with sinners. So Jesus is very clear in terms of how he demarcates and exercise his love. For those who teach, he has a very high standard. There is a call for Christians to be guarded against teachers and yet be open, welcoming, and loving to seekers who are all sinners, who are not teaching, but they are just want to learn. We are to be guarded against teachers who do not teach the truth. When John tells the believers to watch themselves, lest they lose what they have worked for, it is not indicating that, this is verse 8, yeah? it's not indicating that if they don't continue in obedience, they will lose their salvation. Instead, he's calling the believers to be active participants in working out their salvation, as Paul calls it, and to not go on sinning so that grace may increase. In actively battling against their fleshly desires and refuting the false teachings of deceivers, they are continuing to bring joy to the life of John 
as he sees them mature in their faith. So this is the heart prayer of an elder in a church that we too grow in the same manner. At GCC, you are familiar with our covenant partnership process. We covenant together in a statement of faith that declares the truth we believe in. We also covenant to love one another as one another as obedient as an obedient response to God's command. When you want to be a covenant partner, the elders request you to write a personal testimony about yourself, about the time before you knew how, what, what your life was like before you knew Christ, and to share what Christ has done in your life since you answered his calling to be a Christian. An elder will spend time to walk through that statement and pray with you. We have, on some occasions, counseled individuals to take more time to pray and work through certain aspects of their faith before seeking covenant partnership. So before someone is admitted as a new covenant partner, is invited to share his testimony with the covenant with other covenant partners. It is on this occasion that the church identifies ourselves with this person in the truth that we share in Jesus Christ. So we practice this common truth that binds us together. According to John, rejecting false teachers is a big deal. Although we didn't give, he didn't give a clear-cut guideline for every false teaching that we need to draw the line at, but John makes it clear that if anyone does not agree with and teach the doctrine of Jesus Christ, fully man, fully human, they should be rejected. Any teachers who claim to be followers of Christ and yet deny this basic essential aspect of his nature need to be soundly, lovingly, and firmly rejected. This is not just for your sake or the sake of the church, but it's also for the person's sake as well. People who rejected, who people who reject this truth are likely to be in a very dangerous place. They are not people who are ignorant of the truth and simply need to be enlightened to it through the teaching of the scriptures and the Holy Spirit. But these are people who have probably read the Bible and have gone to church and even said a sinner prayer, sinner's prayer at some point and think they are fine. But if they do not accept this truth about Christ, they are believing in a gospel that falls short of the true one and therefore place their faith in a false gospel. Why is this truth so important? What is this truth about Jesus that is so important? We move to part three of this message. The truth of the cross that loves us. In one of our equipping series uh, that's going on now, uh, 20 Christian Beliefs of 20 Life Transforming Truth, the doctrine of Jesus Christ is one of the truths that we learn. This doctrine is the anchor of the truth that we walk in. The doctrine of Jesus Christ opens the path for us to return to fellowship with God. Jesus states in this, John states in this letter that denying the humanity of Christ is a grave mistake. Likewise, denying the Godhood of Jesus is equally wrong. These beliefs harm the gospel 
and therefore harm the church. The gospel and the church are the representations of Christ here on earth until he returns. If someone shares something or an interpretation of the visions in Revelation that differs from yours, probably that is not a big deal. It probably doesn't affect their presentation of the gospel or hurt anyone in the church. However, if someone is saying that Jesus wasn't God or he wasn't human, and that is, then that is absolutely something that harms the gospel and therefore hurts the church and denies glory to the King of Kings. To be a true disciple of Christ means not only to be a follower of him, but also to obey and to imitate him. Let us, in this section, remind ourselves about the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, how he walks in truth and love. We can understand a lot about Jesus and his ministry by understanding his names and his titles. Jesus means Savior. Jesus was and is God with us. He was and is the Son of God, and therefore God. He was God in the flesh. This is in the Gospel of Luke and John. Jesus is the Messiah. Many prophecies promised a Messiah to be sent by God as a deliverer and liberator. Jesus came to earth the first time to deliver us from our sins and will come the second time to deliver us from mortality into immortality. The Greek word for Messiah is Christos, from which we get Christ. Jesus healed people everywhere he went, which reveals several important things. His miracles prove that he was sent by God. They show that he cares for our physical needs as well as our spiritual needs. He loved and respected all people, regardless of gender, race, age, or status, demonstrating a degree of love the world had never seen and which serves as a role model for us as his followers. He also used miracles to prove that he had the authority to forgive sins and to heal us of our spiritual problems. Christ lived his earthly life to set us an example and to build his church. He died for each and every one of us to pay the penalty of our sins so that we can be forgiven for those sins. And he lives again to serve as our savior, high priest, and master. So what is the truth about us? We are sinful. We fall short of the glory of God. We are separated from God. We are dead in our sins and we cannot save ourselves. These are truths about us. What is the love that is shown to us? Jesus died. He died for us. He died to save us from death. We have redeemed, we are redeemed by his substitutional death on the cross. That is the love he has for us. When we look at the cross, we see truth and love coming together for us. Christ shows us that the model, Christ shows us the model of walking in truth and love.
how do we apply this? What does it mean to walk in truth and love? I have listed several points and uh, I hope this will be helpful to all of us. So what does it mean to walk in truth and love? Firstly, to believe and acknowledge that God has given you eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. To love God and others in response to what God has done for you. To love others faithfully, carrying out the words, the work God has called you to do. Love them enough to let them know that the junk food of sins they consume is making them sick. And to tell them the truth that their disease is curable. Jesus is the cure. And also, importantly, to say no to false teachers and to point out their errors to others who may be influenced by them. That's how we can walk in truth and love. John finishes his letter by saying, he has much more to say, but we'll do it in person. That's verse 12. We are reminded of the importance and value for each of us to meet with each other face to face so that our joy may also be complete. Do not be a lonely Christian. God made us to thrive in a loving community. Christian love it's not mushy. It is solid affection for those who look and share the truth of Christ. So since love among Christians is based on truth that they share, it becomes a powerful protection against deception. Looking at GCC, we have a covenant partnership process that affirms we share the same truth. We also and use the government partnership process as a filter to make sure who gets to the pulpit to teach and lead uh, the congregation. The truth of Christ, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the word of God is the air in which our lives, our love lives, are, sorry, the truth of Christ, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the word of God is in the, is the air in which our love lives and flourishes. It is also the foundation on which our love rests. This is who we are. This is how we walk together as a body in love and in truth we share in Christ. Thank you for listening to this message. We invite you to learn more about Gospel City Church at gospelcitychurch.my.